0: You're listening to the Packer Net Podcast Network. What does motion sound like with Kizikans free shoes? It sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. Well, I actually want to start off today really delving into the Emmanuel Wilson thing. I know my primary um, take on this has been don't overreact to one game. And I guess my goal isn't to overreact, but to really just kind of you know the preseason or the offseason is kind of its own entity spent a lot of time trying to figure out how football works in general and how the draft works in general all the philosophies and everything behind it but the philosophies behind sort of the back end of the roster and preseason and 53s and practice squads it's it's like i said it's kind of its own deal and so i'm more or less intrigued by the Emmanuel Wilson thing and i i wanted to sort of look into some of my assumptions i guess one of the main assumptions being don't overreact this stuff happens all the time and it doesn't mean that you get a job does it happen all the time though i want to look at a couple things i i read this yesterday but i want to do it again just for those that didn't listen it it'll only take a minute here are the notes for emmanuel wilson so far through training camp Because again, one of my assumptions being, Emmanuel Wilson hasn't really done very much. He's had a handful of carries, and then boom, he explodes in a preseason game on like six carries. Like, let's just calm down. These things happen. And then on Packernet After Dark, I read these, and as I was reading them live, I was a little bit surprised to find out that I've been missing it, that he's actually been quite good all through camp. Here are all the notes that I have on Emmanuel Wilson. This doesn't include the preseason because I I guess I haven't gone through and I don't think I'm going to add every play in here to the preseason. That'll be a separate thing. But anyways, Emmanuel Wilson with a burst inside. He's a big back with a little wiggle, fun to watch. Colby Wooden just beat Sean Ryan and Emmanuel Wilson for a sack on Magoo. Really nice inside run by Emmanuel Wilson, who takes a bit of a shot from Shamar Jean Charles. Cox pressure, but Clifford finds Wilson stealing down the right sideline, slightly overthrown. We've got live tackling for the young guys, Emmanuel Wilson with an awesome freaking run, breaking a bunch of tackles, best run of camp, fun play. Emmanuel Wilson is a really nice find as an undrafted free agent running back. He just hauled in a nice catch in the flat from Magoo for a touchdown in the red zone. Been impressed with Wilson as a ball carrier tonight, Showcase good vision finding running lanes. Wilson runs a few yards, well played by McDuffie. All right, so it's not necessarily true that Wilson hasn't really done anything. He's been, you know, the one, two, three, four, five, fifth, sixth best running back, and then he had one good day. And no, he's maybe, arguably, been in his limited time one of the best running backs. I mean, to be honest, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon haven't done anything against our starting defense. That's not to say Emmanuel Wilson is better. I'm just asking the question or or addressing the assumption that he's been you know, fifth, sixth best running back. Lou Nichols has been injured. Patrick Taylor hasn't really done much in camp or the preseason for that matter. And well, Tyler Goodson's been all over the field. That's not to say that guys haven't had good plays. They have, but comparing to those kinds of notes, I don't think so. So rankings aside, it's not all that important. The bottom line is he isn't just this undrafted free agent guy that's just been floating around out there doing nothing. He's been one of the more impressive running backs through training camp. Then there is the realization that the guy's a rookie, which maybe isn't, doesn't need to be a realization to most people, but a lot of the bottom of the roster guys are guys that have gotten picked up off the street and have been kind of shuffled throughout, and they've come from other teams. Some of them have several years of experience just kind of filling out practice squads or not even that. But again, remembering that he's a rookie, and you never really know how rookies pan out. While it's true sometimes even first-round picks can bust, it's true that sometimes undrafted free agents can be good football players. What exactly is the ceiling? I don't know, but saying it's impossible for him to be an RB3 um, is a little bit silly, especially considering in front of him are Patrick Taylor, who is a 2020 undrafted free agent, Tyler Goodson, who is a 2022 undrafted free agent, so just a year ago, Lou Nichols, who is this year's seventh-round pick, whoop de doo and hasn't hardly taken a snap, and Emmanuel Wilson, who's an undrafted free agent. Assuming we're taking off the table, you know, uh, leaping over second-round pick A.J. Dillon and freaking Green Bay Packers legend Aaron Jones, what's the big leap here? There isn't one. So I tried to look back at his um, some of his PFF stats on, in college, and I can't find it. Do you know why? Because he played for Fort Valley State. And if PFF tracks anybody from Fort Valley State, they don't put it out there for the public. They don't bother to actually track this stuff. But in reality, maybe that contributes somewhat to why he was an undrafted free agent. And for good reason. But at the same time, you can dominate your uh, league and end up not getting drafted because of where you play. In 2022, he had 184 attempts, for 1,252 yards and 15 touchdowns, his longest rush was for 90 yards. He averaged 8 uh, 6.8 yards per attempt and 139 yards per game. So yeah, he handled that small school quite well. Then there's also just a question of what kind of running back is he? Again, remember he is six foot one, two twenty six. That is like the Brian Gutekunst special. What was it a few years ago? I said Brian Gutekunst was obsessed with six foot two twenty running backs. Everybody he picked up was six foot two twenty. Tyler Goodson, who I can't seem to figure out why the Packers don't like him, maybe one reason is he's five nine one ninety seven. The Packers don't want him to win the job. Patrick Taylor's a little bit more their speed at six foot three two seventeen, but I think 6'1", 226 is even more so their speed. Lou Nichols, who they drafted, is exactly the Brian Gutekunst type at 5'11", 2'20". I mean, again, that's, that is the Brian Gutekunst special, but it seems like they got Emmanuel Wilson, who is kind of another version of Lou Nichols, but they didn't expect him to be quite as good. And maybe he's not as good as Lou Nichols, but we haven't really gotten a chance to see him. But either way, we haven't gotten a chance to see him. By the way, PFF lists him at 6'1". Um, Kent Lee Platt over at RAS says he measured in at 5'10". And I'm going to trust RAS because those are official combine numbers, and PFF sometimes just kind of cashes it in when it comes to that stuff. But anyways, I'm looking it up because he actually weighed in at 228 pounds. He ran a 4.55, which is not blazing speed, but there's nothing wrong with that. But it got me thinking about two additional things. There's two other questions that I had. Number one, how common is it for a running back to do what he did? So I only looked at week one. I could look at week two and week three and I guess week four, depending on how far back we go. But looking at week one, um, well, let's start with this. As of right now, Emmanuel Wilson is the highest graded runner, the highest overall graded running back. But if you actually look at the statistics, first of all, he ran six times, which has him tied for like 15th. So there's, you know, 14 guys that took more snaps than he did. But if you look at it in terms of some of the other statistics, first of all, only five running backs had touchdowns so far. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more games coming in. They haven't had the grades yet or whatever, but we're talking this is out of... Let me find a different thing here so we can... um, How many running backs? Out of 61 so far that have played, only five have scored touchdowns. Only one had two touchdowns, and it's Emmanuel Wilson. If you look at yards per attempt... Emmanuel Wilson is number one with 18.5. Number two is 13.3. Number three is 8.1. But even just looking at yards, he had 111 yards. So far, the number two running back only has 70. And the fact of the matter is, none of that is unusual in the preseason. Last year, the highest of anybody, and we're talking 132 running backs, the highest anybody ran was 73 yards with zero touchdowns. There were two running backs who did actually get two touchdowns, but one of them ran for 11 yards, one of them ran for 15 yards. So in other words, that's all they did. It was more of a luck thing than anything else. It just so happened that in their very limited opportunities, both of them only ran six times. They happened to be right down by the goal line. So anyways, just for whatever reason wasn't recording me the last 20 seconds or so, let me say that again. I decided to go back a long ways and see how common, at least just let's just say in week one, a running back has done something kind of similar to this, and went all the way back to 2017. In 2017, it was Corey Grant, who was most recently with the Green Bay Packers. But he did this in 2017, and by this, I mean eight attempts, 120 yards, one touchdown, 91 PFF grade, 90 rushing grades, slightly below Emmanuel Wilson. Now, Corey Grant was an undrafted free agent in 2015, so this was year three of his career. And, interestingly enough, if you look at his PFF grades... He had a 30 PFF grade as a rookie, 67 in 2016. 2017, the one random year where he had a really good week one in the preseason, he actually ended with a 91 overall grade and a 90 rushing grade. He never played very much. He played 41 total snaps. He had 30 total rushes, but he had 248 yards, 8.3 yards per attempt, and two touchdowns in his limited opportunities. And suffice it to say, I mean, he was actually playing. He was probably the number three running back for the Jaguars for quite a while. The only other person that I saw that did this was a, um, and it, by the way, the only one that was a rookie was Ramondre Stevenson. He was a rookie in 2021, taken in the fourth round. In his first preseason game, he had 10 attempts, 127 yards, the only one that ran for more yards, and two touchdowns. He had an 86.3 PFF grade, 82.2 rushing grade, so significantly lower grades. shouldn't say significantly, but, you know, still. Ramondre has been in the league for New England for two years. Um, he finished 2021 with an 80 PFF grade and an 81 rushing grade. And then this past year in 2022, he ran for 1,041 yards, five touchdowns, 81.3 PFF grade, 84.3 rushing grade. So he's a good running back. He's also six foot 27. He's almost the exact same size as Emmanuel Wilson. Now, again, I'm not trying to tell you that he's going to be Ramondre Stevenson. I'm just illustrating that this is very rare and in the rare cases that i've actually been able to find anyone doing something like this they're pretty good and and the reason i bring it up is because this is not what i expected i expected to find several times this had happened a bunch of undrafted free agent nobody's because by the way this happens all the time with quarterback and other positions right now the top five quarterbacks in the nfl are Via uh, the passing grades are Davis Mills of the Texans, Baker Mayfield in Tampa, Nick Mullins in Minnesota, Dorian Thompson-Robinson in Cleveland, and Malik Cunningham in New England. Deshaun Watson ranks 24th. Now, maybe he's going to have another bad year, I don't know. But I have a hard time believing that he's going to be that far down. By the way, from a yard standpoint, Sean Clifford is the dude. He's the only one that cracked 200 yards on the day. Second, He had 208 yards, second is Nate Sudfeld 194. And you say, well, yeah, well, that's because he played so many snaps. He had 26 attempts. Nate Sudfeld had 28. Drew Locke had 24. Trevor Simeon, 28. Kellen Mann, 31. Oh, and there's Russell Wilson. I thought everybody said he had a bad day. He actually graded out okay. 7 of 13, 93 yards, a touchdown, 74.6 PFF grade, 73.3 passing grades. Not bad. For those wondering, Jordan Love is currently 10th. We've got a bunch of grades that are going to come pouring in um, in a very short period. Of, well, later today. Anyways, final thing I wanted to look at. You're saying, okay, well, maybe he can win that number three job, which is a not a major leap to begin with. But what is the actual ceiling here? Let's look at the top 10 running backs and let's see where they were drafted. Josh Jacobs, first round pick. Aaron Jones, fifth round pick. Nick Chubb, second round pick. Tony Pollard, fourth round pick. A.J. Dillon, second round pick. Tyler Algier, fifth round pick. Derrick Henry, second round pick. Caleb Huntley, undrafted free agent well that didn't take very long what do we know about caleb huntley well he got he's from a small school ball state undrafted free agent for the atlanta falcons didn't really get an opportunity in year one and then in year two he ended with an 87 pff grade 86 rushing grade 76 attempts 366 yards 4.8 yards per attempt one touchdown one fumble so he's not playing a ton he's a backup 5'10, 229 he's got that same build All right, continuing. Latavius Murray was a sixth-round pick, and Damian Pierce, fourth-round pick. To extend it out to the top 20, Austin Eckler is an undrafted free agent. Gus Edwards was an undrafted free agent. Now, to be fair, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to demonstrate that there's just as many undrafted free agents as any other round, because that would be incorrect. And the reason I say that is because there's a billion undrafted free agents for every you know, first round, second round pick, not literal billion, but you know, but still in the top 20 running backs via PFF, three of them are undrafted free agents. So it's not a certainty that the guy has to be, you know, I I guess, relegated to nothingness. By the way, Austin Eckler from Western Colorado, which is probably why he was overlooked. Gus Edwards out of Rutgers and Gus Edwards, six one two thirty eight. 238. Austin Eckler is the only semi-outlier at 5'10", 200. So I guess what I'm saying is, I think the ceiling, if everything just went fantastic. And again, it's entirely possible Emmanuel Wilson, every time he touches the ball from here on out, it's going to be a disaster, and he's not even going to make the 53. He might not even get put on the practice squad. I'm not... This isn't about hype. This is just about trying to... Recalculate because I tend to be overly pessimistic and say it doesn't matter. He's an undrafted free agent. It's not going to go anywhere. You can get excited for him for a day if you want, but he's going to be out of here in no time. So if he ends up getting cut soon, I don't want to hear this getting thrown in my face. But I, I think what the ceiling would probably be is if Aaron Jones were to move on, A.J. Dillon becomes the number one running back. Is it possible Emmanuel Wilson could be a number two running back? It is. And I do think that that would roughly be the ceiling. A solid number two option, but absolutely at worst, I I think it's entirely possible he could win that number three job. It it is still a steep hill to climb. They really like Patrick Taylor. They just do. But at the same time, again, McCrary, I mean, maybe I'm being unfair to McCrary, but I'm just going to go ahead and say McCrary probably isn't going to go ahead and, and win anything. With Goodson going down and Lou Nichols still not being able to play because of injury. It's really just Emmanuel Wilson and Patrick Taylor fighting for that number three spot, and Taylor hasn't done anything. And again, Emmanuel Wilson is closer to the prototype that Brian Gutekunst tends to like. I know it should be more about Matt LaFleur, but really, Brian Gutekunst and probably Matt LaFleur prefer a, let's call him six-foot, we'll split the difference, six-foot, 226-pound guy compared to the six-foot-three running back Patrick Taylor is. And also, I do think they tend to skew younger. We've seen Patrick Taylor, as much as they'd probably like to just pick one of either Taylor or Goodson and move on, and then, you know, let Patrick Taylor stay for another year. You know, Patrick Taylor and Lou Nichols was probably the plan. I don't know. I don't know. But but we need to see more of Emmanuel Wilson. If this continues, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. He needs to be that guy. Now, yeah, there's still an element of special teams. There's an element of receiving ability. There's an element of pass-blocking. But there's also an element element of, number one, Patrick Taylor is not elite in any of those categories. If he was, he wouldn't be barely making the number three spot. And number two, there's an element of, he's not going to play much because he's a he's a third-string running back. He has time to learn and develop, and if it doesn't pan out, then all shucks. But anyways, obviously Emmanuel Wilson is, is uh, one of the guys to keep an eye on. I thought the running back battle was really just Goodson, Taylor, and... Um, and Lou Nichols, and I was really torn on that. I did not expect Emmanuel Wilson to actually be in contention there, but at this point, I, I just hope the Packers give him some opportunities, like some legitimate—not you know, Aaron Jones and AJ with the ones, Patrick Taylor with the twos, Lou Nichols, I guess at this point would be with the threes. I mean, Emmanuel Wilson and fours or something. I don't, I don't know. If they, oh, McCrary would be with the fours. I forget he exists. Give him a shot, man. Give Give Emmanuel Wilson a real look. Let him run with the twos. Let him run with the ones. Let him have some fun. Let's see. See what he can do. Fast forward a couple days, which it has been. He is not getting opportunities with the ones. <laughs> Anyways, uh, why don't we just take a break right here? Because on the other side, I think what I would like to do, no, we're not going to talk about Colin Coward. All right, I guess we can for a minute if you want. I got everybody sending me that video. But... um what I want to do actually is kind of reassess the team and once again kind of look at okay, where are we at and I think what is it what it is what what it is though, what is the thing? <laughs> what do we need to see from the team moving forward from the from each individual player? maybe not each we'll skip a lot of them, but um, that's what I want to kind of do. I'll wake up in a minute here. don't worry about it. We'll take a break, we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. Alright, so very quickly with the Colin Coward thing. I'm not even going to play what, what it is he said. Um, but essentially his his two main points were um he's he's dinking and dunking out there, which means that the Packers are protecting him. They don't want him to actually go air it out because they're scared, because they know he's not good. And also his miss to Luke Musgrave um is unacceptable for an NFL quarterback. So look, I've I've kind of given my position, and if you Misinterpret what Colin Coward said, you could almost say that we're on the same page. And I shouldn't even say misinterpret. If you don't specifically listen to what's being said, you could say we're on the same page. I also think it's unacceptable to miss that pass. But it's not unacceptable for a guy to miss that pass just in a vacuum because everybody does it. Aaron Rodgers missed those passes. Well, he generally didn't throw those passes because they were over the middle. (laughs) Zing, just kidding. Um, No, but but everybody misses open passes. I can go back to the layup throw. There's literally a thing called layup throw uh, metric or percentage or whatever. It's a thing. And Rodgers kind of sucked at it. A lot of quarterbacks sucked at it. It's just a thing that everybody misses once in a while. My issue isn't that he missed one pass, especially since there's, what's his name, Uh, Dan Orlovsky coming out. I was like, well, it was basically a no-look pass. Well, that's great. My issue is, though, why does it keep happening every single practice? Is he no-look passing everyone, or is that just one excuse for this one time, but there's, we need, like, 14 more excuses? So my issue is there's just the consistent issues that keep arising. Colin Coward going off on a tangent about one missed pass is just because he's an idiot. Um, he also, pretty much three minutes of his four-minute video could be obliterated if you just remember that he threw the pass to Christian Watson. Right? Oh, he's just dinking and dunking out there. No, no, he's not. So that's false. And then in addition to that, he looked at yards per attempt, um, not average depth of target, which is a different metric, which would show you that he actually has been throwing the ball further down the field. Yards per attempt only looks at actual completed yards per attempt. And when you don't have a lot of attempts, the problem is it's the same with yards per attempt rushing and things like that. Everything balances out. If you look at a running back, most of the time, they're not going to have a ton of high yards per attempt, or or either it's going to be low or it's going to be extremely high. Because how often do you actually hit a, a, you know, 10 to 15-yard carry? Once every 10, 15, 20 times? So what happens if you run the ball five times? Well, if one of those five times happens to be that big carry, you're going to have a really big yards per attempt. If not, you're going to have a really low yards per attempt. So the bottom line is they average out over time. Quarterbacks don't throw deep balls most of the time. You throw deep passes maybe, what, 30% of the time, if that? So it averages out. And so if Jordan Love threw one in his very short period of time and it wasn't completed, then obviously you're going to have a low yards per attempt. It's low for, for Justin for the same reason that Justin, or for Jordan, for the same reason Justin Fields is at 43 yards per attempt. Obviously, nobody's going to maintain that for a game. Plus, it doesn't even reflect what actually happened, which is why yards per attempt is not necessarily a great metric for anything. Nobody would use yards per attempt to grade out quarterbacks. But as a final point, you know who else was lower than Jordan Love? Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. 3.5 and 3.3. I look forward to him jumping on his show and saying that those two guys are going to bust out because they had low yards per attempt, which he might do I don't know because he's dumb. So yes, I'm concerned about inconsistency. I'm concerned about not one misspass repeated miss passes um but I'm not concerned about a miss pass. I'm not concerned about yards per attempt because honestly even if that was what it's going to be in the future, if that's going to get us down the field to score a touchdown, And people want to piss and moan about, yeah, but your quarterback still isn't like an elite quarterback, but we're winning football games and our Super Bowl contenders because our offense is really efficient and doing a very good job. I don't really care. Again, Tom Brady was this way. He was 6.4 yards per attempt. That's quite low. Tua was almost 9 yards per attempt. Aaron Rodgers was 6.8. I know things weren't great last year, but whatever. Sam Howell was 8.8. He was not good at football. In fact, Zach Wilson was higher than both of them at uh, seven yards per attempt. He was the worst quarterback in football last year. So what? <laughs> what does that mean? Nothing. Now, I'm not saying there's no correlation. Obviously, getting the ball down the field uh, more often is a good thing generally, but it's such a stupid thing to hone in on, especially with how many attempts was it? Ten? Ten attempts? So I'm not going to give him credit for coming to a right conclusion using wrong information, because he's just dumb, and I'm not giving him credit for that. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and rip through this roster really quickly. I want to start with Jordan Love, and um, again, I don't want to get to the point where... The way things usually work is... I feel like the fan base is on one side of things and I'm on the other, and I hammer a point so hard that I become either massively overly positive or overly negative, and I can feel that happening with Jordan Love and, and with other things as well. But I just, I just want to be very clear because one of the things that I've heard in response to what I've said is, hey, it's one game, just calm down, relax, it's no big deal. Like I said with Colin Coward, I'm not worried about one throw. So I went and did some homework. I went back and looked at every note that I have for Jordan Love. I pulled every throw that was overthrown, underthrown, or thrown way too wide. This does not include every note that said incomplete. I didn't have that. This has none of the notes that said um, uh, interception, near interception, any of those kinds of things. It's, It's just this specific issue of you got a guy open and you can't hit him. Just to be very clear, what it is specifically that I'm seeing that I would like to start seeing improvement on. That's all. I'm going to read all of them to you. Luke Musgrave just beat Corey Ballantyne clean and was open deep, had great separation. Love lofted it up, but let it hang a bit too much. Ballantyne got back in the play and broke it up. Love would like to have that one back. Back to team. Watson beats Douglas easily on a corner route, but Love missed him wide. Two big play opportunities missed by 10 on back-to-back plays in team. Love with an underthrow to Dobbs deep. Jair with a pass breakup. LaFleur said there were a couple throws that Jordan Love should have put more air under in practice. Kenny Clark with a quick pressure. Love rolls right and finds a wide-open Ture, but Love leads him too far right, and Ture catches it out of bounds. Love overthrows Dobbs on the next red zone play, trying to hit the fade. Love slightly high for Musgrave on the next red zone play. And again, you could say, well, it's just slightly high. I, most of these throws are just slightly. And you, you, you got to understand, I'm the guy that was saying in that Chiefs game, he missed having back-to-back touchdowns by just a couple inches. But the problem is, it's consistently just a couple inches. Every play is just a couple inches. At some point, it doesn't matter. It's a game of inches. That's the point, though. Love's first incompletion during today, uh, during team today is an overthrow to Christian Watson. Reed had a step on Valentine. Love overthrew him. Love wide to Dobbs on an outright, out route. Love corrects Malik Heath positioning at the line. Fade away, fades away and tries to find Davis, but throws it a bit behind him. Gaines gets a pass breakup. Fourth down, Reed, ha- Reed has a step on Savage on a deep crosser, but Love overthrows it. Love deep to Dobbs. Looks slightly underthrown. Dobbs wide open with an amazing route against Jair. Love overcooked it. Musgrave open over the middle. Love overthrows him. Jordan Love tries to hit Romeo Dobbs deep down the field. Dobbs got behind the, uh, behind the Bengals secondary. Love's pass hung, too, uh, hung in the air too long. Love overthrows Luke Musgrave, who has DJ Turner in his hip pocket. Free play. Love overthrows Watson on the sidelines. Love fires very high for Reed on the first play off of play action. Watson deep route clears space for intermediate crosser for Dobbs, but Love overthrows it. And this doesn't include the miss to um, Musgrave in that game. So again, when I said that it's been one, about one per practice of just completely missing guys, I may have undersold it a bit. I'm counting 21, including the missed pass to Musgrave. And again, this doesn't include every note that just said incomplete, because incomplete could be a lot of things. Could have been just a, he threw it up for a contested catch, could have been a batted, you know, whatever, could have been a drop. I also didn't include interceptions, near interceptions, the one that hit Quay in the chest, none of that stuff, because this is a, a separate thing. This isn't a bad read, you, you had your eyes in the wrong spot. This is very simply, he has a guy wide open, if he could throw it accurately, then um, then we'd have a big play, but he didn't throw it accurately. Twenty one. How many training camps have we had? I think there's been like 11, if I'm counting. I know there's some on here that I think happened that weren't, like, Sunday they had a walkthrough. But including that, that would be, I believe, 11. So it's closer to actually two a day. So anyways, and I, I, I guess I'm changing a little bit because inconsistency can be kind of vague. And there are a lot of very, very positive things. From what I've seen, it sounds like he really does have a mastery of this offense just in terms of, of you know making the checks at the line and then putting his eyes exactly where they need to be, throwing to the exact right person, it sounds like it's just perfect, which is great. We just need delivery. On one hand, again, this offense has, has looked better than it did with Rodgers. And that isn't necessarily to say because of Rodgers. It's just the simple fact that I felt like every single time Rodgers dropped back to pass, he had nowhere to go, or at least it appeared he had nowhere to go, either that or he just didn't know where to go. Again, we would go back and look and say he looks like he had a guy here, there, or whatever. It's disputed. It doesn't matter. It always looked like, come on, man, somebody get, oh, somebody do something. That hasn't been the case with the Packers that I've seen at all this year. Doesn't sound like that's been the case in training camp. Again, we didn't see it against the Eagles. We haven't. We didn't see it in uh, against the Bengals. That it seems to be a very efficient thing. It's just about putting the ball in the right spot. I shouldn't even say that. I mean, he 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 throws in the right direction. It just needs to be accurate. So I, I guess I'm going to say. Two things here for Jordan. Again, I'm still of the mind that I don't necessarily need to see the wild throws because I have confidence that he can do those in a pinch if need be. If things are really breaking down, I think he can pull it off. Don't miss the layups, and I really would like to see some form of a deep throw. Doesn't have to be a wild throw. It could be a very easy completion, but I, I again, the numbers are... Not flattering in any way. And I know there are plenty of notes also in training camp, I could go back and pull those up too, where he has hit those. But as far as documented stats, preseason, regular season, his passes beyond 20 yards are staggering in terms of the completion percentage being extremely low. Not that it has to be his fault, but it also, to some degree, has to be at least in part his fault because nobody is that unlucky. So we got to see some kind of a rhythm, especially considering how this team is is wired. I mean, we've got guys that fly down the field, that can stretch the field. We don't want to be in a situation where teams start daring you to throw it because they know you can't get it done. So again, these things take time as far as getting into a rhythm with it, but we got to start seeing it at some point. And and the fact that there's been none of that so far, that we've been able to see at least, yes, in training camp there has been some, about 50-50 I would say, but Let's just do it in a game. That that I mean, honestly, the pass to Christian was about perfect. Maybe could have been a little bit more to the outside or something. Keep it away from the safety. It looked like Watson was kind of drifting inside, you know, toward the middle of the field to get to the ball. But, I mean, it was, it was as in stride as it could be, which is what's frustrating about the safety getting there, because that was the one, right? But, yeah, it, it just... It feels like we're 95% of the way there with Jordan, but it's not going to work if we can't get that last 5%. It's, it's, again, it's almost identical to the center situation. Like We're good at center. We don't need a new center. Except for the part where if you can't stop putting the ball on the ground, we don't have a choice but to replace you. Like, <laughs> Please don't make that be the reason we have to replace you. So it's not panic time. It's just what I'm asking to see. Sean Clifford, honestly, just do it again. Just do it again. Do everything the same. Don't change a thing. Less picks? Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, I guess. I don't care. Listen, if, if being more safe means you're not going to be Sean Clifford anymore, then don't worry about it. Because, again, I'm not asking Sean Clifford to be the, the future starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, unlike some people. Sean Clifford is a talented backup quarterback who is a heck of a competitor and is a lot of fun to watch. That's it. That's all I need. Um, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, just stay healthy. I would like to see Dylan repeat what he did. I know PFF wasn't impressed by it, but I was. I have two complaints about A.J. Dylan. He ran two times, and he assuaged both my fears with both runs. One is there's not enough power, and I don't think I've ever seen him slam into human beings as powerfully as he did on that first run. The second one is a lack of patience. Wait for your blockers. Let it develop. It's exactly what he did. He waited a second, he hesitated, the hole opened up, and he ran for, I think it was 11 yards. I mean, that's absolutely perfect. And I tell you what, if he can continue that for the rest of the season, he is going to be a heck of a good running back. Patrick Taylor, I want to start rooting for Patrick Taylor. I'm tired of Dog and Patrick. I feel like I apologize to him on every episode. Because it's like, I'm, I'm rooting for Goodson to take his job. I'm rooting for Lou Nichols to take his job. Now I'm rooting for Emmanuel Wilson to take his job. Um, and I want to not have to do that. You know, it should just be let the best man win. The Packers seem to think Patrick Taylor's the best man. So I just want to see it. It's the same with Justin Hollins. Just show me why they like you so much so I can start rooting for you because I, I just I don't know what that thing is. Emmanuel Wilson, I don't know, man. I mean, I can't ask you to do that again because you're not going to be able to do that again, I would assume. But even beyond that, I'm, I'm looking at it saying you're still not going to win the job because apparently to get that job, you have to play on special teams and the Packers aren't giving you an opportunity to do that. You have to pass block, which you didn't really have any opportunities to do that, at least in the preseason game you didn't, and you have to be a receiver. So I guess what I would say is if the Packers feel so generous as to give you the opportunities to do what it is you need to do to win the job, that you would capitalize on those things. Um, Wide receivers, and i I tell you what, I'm going to lump Musgrave, Watson, Dobbs, Reed, I'm just trying to exclude people that might have their own thing, I don't think so. I, I want the wide receivers and tight ends to basically do what, well, not, excluding Tucker Craft, I guess. Please, whatever it is you did last week, do it again. Because I, I I have rarely felt this good about a group. And I know you're going to say that's ridiculous because of Devontae. I didn't say because of a guy. I said because of a group. It's funny because this is supposed to be like the worst wide receiver, one of the worst in football, which it was last year too. It's supposed to just be this horrible, terrible thing. I have not felt this good about a group since we had a group, just based on what I've seen so far. Again, there's just no concern. The the ability to get to the open space, the ability to catch the ball, the ability to get yards after the catch, the ability to separate, specifically Musgrave, Watson, Dobbs, I guess Reed and Ture, just fantastic. I mean, the fact that I'm sitting here ragging on Jordan Love because it feels like he's the weak link in the chain because all he has to do is dump it off to these guys and we're going to be fine. That in and of itself speaks volumes. And again, I'm not saying that is the reality. I'm just saying that's the reality that's been painted for me as a picture so far. And I'd like that reality to continue. The only specifics I want to say is Tucker Craft just got to step it up pretty much in any one category. You probably should step it up as a blocker first. That was Tyler. Da- that was Mercedes' job. He's gone. Tucker, uh, Tyler Davis was going to take that job. He's now out for the season. So Tucker, you got to be that guy. So, I know that's asking a lot. And, um, you know, one of the things everybody always talks about is it takes tight ends kind of a long time to get acclimated and whatnot. But the ones that don't need time are the ones that are receivers. You know why? Because receivers don't take time to get acclimated, <laughs> they don't. They they just come into the NFL just the, the, at their absolute peak. So, Musgrave might be able to come in and have an instant impact. But Tucker Craft's going to have to be more of a traditional tight end. Um, and that's going to be tough, and I think that's going to be a tall order. But I, I again, give me improvement in any one area, whether that be blocking or receiving or anything. I think Tay Wicks maybe has me more excited than just about anybody insofar as I have loved everything I've seen from Tay Wicks, and I'm just having an internal battle between you really need to tamp down your expectations because the odds of him becoming what it looks like he is on the field are very low. And then the opposite side of that, where this wide receiver group slash with Musgrave included is starting to feel like the edge group where it's like, we just got a pile of guys that can get it done. So, I mean, what do I want from Tay, man? I, I mean, just keep running those smooth routes, catch it when it comes to you. And um, I honestly don't even care what you can do after the catch. I really don't. If you want to go straight down, I don't care because if you, if you can do what you've been doing with these routes, as smooth as you look, as clean as you look, I'm I'm all in, man um aside from that i mean i I, again i i don't really want to pick anybody over the others i I would say malik heath just keep doing what you're doing but i you know i don't want to just hand him the job that goes for malik for everybody but malik really has been heads and tails above sort of the the fray if you will and so i do hope that for the sake of the green bay packers he can continue that because the more the merrier i will also single out grant Debose just because he's this year's seventh round pick again my expectations are relatively low but he hasn't had a lot of opportunities due to injuries, so it uh, be just kind of good to get introduced to Grant DuBose this week. Offensive line, same as, as before, Zach Tom win the right tackle job, just, just do it. I think he did it last week. He played uh, tackle and center. I did hear Herman say he thought he was better at right tackle, which was good to hear, and I hope the Packers agree. Rasheed Walker, though, I will say, as much as it scares me, Zach Tom moving, if Rashid Walker can take the kind of step that it seems the Packers are leaning into a little bit, I don't have any complaints if that's the reality. I don't think that's going to be the reality because I'm, as you know, a late-round skeptic. But if this dude can step up and can be in and around what we're getting from Zach Tom at tackle, then I'm okay with the switch. That's assuming Zach Tom can be a center as, as good as Josh Myers because, again, despite the disdain for Josh Myers, he's actually a really solid pass-blocking interior offensive lineman. But either way, if I, I, would just, I, I really want Rasheed... Like if there's one guy that I'm I'm maybe root now, well, that's not true. I guess Sean Ryan to be another one. Those are the 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 two that seem like long shots that I'm rooting for the most to take big strides. Because if we can get another, you know, legit tackle, obviously that's massively beneficial. And then Sean Ryan, I mean look, we we've got two guards, but if he can become a solid guard, nothing easier than just kicking Elton Jenkins out to left tackle once David Bakhtiari leaves. That actually may be the most important thing, because yes, technically Rasheed could take the right tackle, Zach Tom could go to left tackle if we needed to, but I am incredibly confident in Elton Jenkins' ability to play left tackle. So even if it's not for this year, Sean Ryan or Zach Tom taking a major step, and, and maybe Rashid could be the left tackle. Again, it seems like a massive long shot, but those two guys continuing to make strides, or, or at least Rasheed continuing and, and Sean beginning to make strides. That would be huge. otherwise, I really I, I want Josh Myers to snap a ball like a human being that has been playing football for a long time. Otherwise, it's just health. I love our offensive line. I really do. The starting five is the starting five. I have no issues with the starting five. I know Runyon and Myers aren't the best run blockers in the world.'m I'm, I'm unsure of what Zach Tom truly is. I don't actually know, but I really do like the the starting offensive line. I, I just I hope it stays that way. So health would be the biggest thing there. Along the defensive line, Kenny, it's just health. I know he's been injured. Uh, he probably we, we probably won't be seeing much of him, maybe not even in the preseason game, I'm not sure. Um, I do want to see better from our defensive front just across the board. I mean, as much as they've been great all through training camp, they didn't do jack squat when it came time to the preseason game. Might be a little bit unfair, but it, we didn't see the dominance that we'd been hearing from Wyatt, from Wooden. From, I mean, Wyatt was the lowest graded player on the team. I mean, good Lord. Wyatt, Wooden, Brooks, Van Ness. We, we got to do better than that. So again, I'm going to lump these guys together. Van Ness, I, I mean, that was brutal. At least for Devontae Wyatt, he was disruptive. He was just kind of a hot mess. He'd get into the backfield and just start stumbling all over the place and falling down. He can't tackle anybody. It's like, all right, you need to friggin' slow down. can't believe I'm telling you that. can't believe I'm telling any pass rusher that, but you need to slow down. Um, yeah, just just dominance up front. And, and I, I did like the, the performance, especially early on. It did look like a lot of pressure was getting home. I think Hollins had a good day, and Igbari had a good day. I know Brenton Cox had a good day. It's not necessarily everybody, but especially the guys that we're going to be leaning on a lot. The interior guys, Wyatt Wooden and Brooks, definitely would really need to see Van Ness step up. You know, I felt like we saw a lot from the guys that I don't really expect to carry that into the regular season. We saw Jonathan Ford, you know, uh, T.J. Slayton. Like, (laughs) our best pass-rushing defensive tackles are the nose tackles. Like, give me a freaking break. And then it was like Kingsley and Igbari and Brenton Cox, like, yeah... I don't know. I don't think that's gonna be the thing. Linebackers just play fast. You know, I thought they did a decent job. It looked like they did struggle, especially, you know, McDuffie Wilson when it came down to coverage. I think that's one of the the benefits of our linebacking group is is the speed. The the violence and intensity also is is a major thing, but you were drafted for your speed to be able to cover a lot of ground. So, you know, it's it's just I, I know it's common. This is I mean the NFL specifically builds their offenses around being in one-on-one matchups with linebackers and just beating them across the middle. But it is painful watching your defense be the one getting picked on where a guy catches a pass and you're watching a linebacker just huff it about four yards behind him trying to get there. Corners, I mean, Jair probably not going to play. Razul probably not going to play. I don't know. I, I I mean, the only thing that comes to mind, and, and again, best of luck to Ballantyne, Thomas, Ford, Hooper, primarily looking at the boundary guys, but you know, do what you can. But For Valentine, it's like, same with a lot of these guys. Just just, just please be real. Because it's almost impossible that it's real, but you get to a point where it happens so frequently now and consistently that it becomes less and less likely to be a fluke. And so now you're butting up against two things. On one hand, it's really unlikely that you are this good. You are a rookie seventh-round pick. On the other hand, it's really unlikely that you're this lucky Because everybody makes good plays once in a while. But, you know, he was really good prior to the preseason game. He obviously lit up the preseason game. He ended the last practice with a pick six on Jordan Love. Like, it, it is becoming very consistent. Especially considering he's replacing Jair, which means he's running with essentially the ones. I mean, the Bengals didn't run their ones at wide receiver anyway. But, I mean, if you look at PFF, a lot of the best, highest graded guys are the undrafted free agents. Why? Well, because they're running with the threes and fours. That's where you get more situations like the Bears had against the Titans where defenders just randomly fall down or get blocked in the back, but randomly fall down and then you can run for an 80-yard touchdown. You don't have these guys that can cover just a ton of ground so that that just never happens. Um, and then in the slot, I mean, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if Keyshawn's going to play. I'm guessing he is. I would love to see Keyshawn kind of shine. Because at the end of the day, he is our starting slot guy, and I think we just kind of love him by default because of what he does as a kick returner, but I don't know that he's ever really proven to be a very good slot corner, and it would be nice to get some level of assurance there. On the other side of that, Shamar had a really good preseason, week one. I really thought Innes was going to be the guy. He is injured right now. Then you got Shamar, who shines. Um, look, I, I think there's a, a an outside chance. It's a long shot, but I think there's a chance... Shamar could actually win the starting slot job. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love for him to take a real serious run at it because worst case scenario, we've got a solid backup. Safety, I mean, just set the floor, man. Just set a floor. I mean, we've got so many guys. I mean, we're bringing in... As of right now, I have six safeties on the 53 because I just can't make a decision. And I, I, honestly, of this, six. I mean, Traverius Moore is the only one that I feel is relatively easy to pull off of here. But I don't th- think the Packers are going to, so I, I mean, I, there's nobody else I can take off. Savage and Owens are, are the one and two. Ford, there's no way I can pull him. Maybe the Packers will, I can't do it. Dallin, Levitt, no way. Anthony Johnson, the rookie, I don't think I can do that. Maybe you can scoot him into the practice squad, I don't know. But ultimately, despite all the talk about how many bodies there are, I don't know that we've ever come to the place where we start to feel comfortable with it. The most comforting thing that I that I have to lean my, my head on is how bad they were last year and the fact that there's almost nowhere to go but up from there. Almost. But, you know, give me something. And I think I said last time, Savage, just prove to me that you are far and away the best guy. Because you should. I mean, you you are a first-round pick with elite attributes that are miles ahead of anybody else on this team. You're dealing primarily with, I mean, not everybody, but undrafted free agents and seventh-round picks. Come on now. You need to stand out. But at the end of the day, I don't care who it is. Just somebody stand out. Or, or, or I tell you what, don't be a liability. If I, same, same situation with the corners. If I don't hear your name, I'm fine. If I don't see you chasing somebody from behind, we're good. Just set a floor. And finally with special teams, I mean, I think Pat O'Donnell's going to be the guy. I don't really know what's going on with this long snapping competition. It's very obvious what I want from them. Snap the ball accurately, but the, the, the main thing that needs to be discussed is Anders Carlson. Again, I'm not asking for perfection. I understand mistakes happen. I think you he's been very, very good in spots. We will forgive you if you miss a 52-yarder. You cannot miss back-to-back extra freaking points. You cannot do that. In fact, I'll tell you what, moratorium on missing extra points, period. You can't do it. If you are a real NFL kicker, you maybe get graced with like one of those a year. Like, wow, that that never happens. That's crazy. It cannot be like, oh, here we go again, with extra points. That's not a thing. The expectation for extra points is 100%. You never graced one of those. 40 yarders, you almost make all of them, but you're allowed to miss a couple. 50 yarders, we're getting a little closer to 50-50. And again, honestly, I'm not even worried about the 50 yarders. And maybe part of it is because of the lowered expectations. But I, I would guess he'd, if you gave him 10 chances, I bet he'd make five at least. Maybe even more. I just worry when he's lined up real close shanking these extra points. So just do the simple stuff, man. Just go out there and make the extra points. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call it extra points and, of course, really short field goals. We'll call it good. You miss anything over 45 yards, and I'll, i will assuming there's not a bunch of misses, we'll just let it go. But, so that's kind of where I'm at with the team right now. Again, overall, I like the team. I mean, minor stuff with Jordan. I don't know that he's going to fix it, which scares me, but it's minor stuff with Jordan. Really like the running backs. A.J. A- 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 Dillon has got me excited. Tight ends. Luke Musgrave, again, I- he legitimately could lead the team in receptions. Wide receivers, I like them. Is it the best wide receiver group in football? Of course not. But it is a really solid group. Offensive line, I think is fantastic. Defensive front, very excited about it. Very young, going to make mistakes, but I love the aggression. I love the attacking attitude. I like the results that are coming from that. Excited to watch him go out and just feast. Love the depth of it as well. It used to be just Kenny, and even Kenny wasn't really that good as a pass rusher, statistically. Now Kenny is like the guy I'm least excited about out of four defensive tackles right now. I mean, Kenny's the guy you lean on to be fundamentally sound and probably be better in the run game kind of thing, but pass rush productivity, that's all Wyatt Wooden and Brooks. And we'll see, but that's kind of where my mind's at. And again, Rashawn, I really like him. Preston is a solid player, but again, the Packers love Hollins. He's been real solid. Van Ness going into year two, or uh, Kingsley going into year two. Van Ness with his abilities, exciting. Linebackers, I mean, I'm more excited about these groups Like, in each individual group, I I feel like I'm more excited than usual. You know, again, even going back to wide receiver, again, yeah, Devontae was great. But how often were you just really excited about your wide receivers? I mean, you got to go back to, what, 2014 or something? I don't know. When was the last time we had, like, three? I don't know what year that would have been. When was the last time I was excited about a tight end, like, ever? I guess probably when we went out and got uh, Jimmy Graham or something. I don't know. Didn't super pan out. But it's not like this because we knew Jimmy Graham was on the backswing of his career. The offensive line, honestly, I might be more confident in this group than I have been. I mean, we've, you know, you go back to Brian Balaga and Corey Lindsley. I mean, you've got some solid pieces, but like, who is the weakest link in this group? I feel like there's always been. I shouldn't say always, but it's been a long time since I've been this confident in our weakest link. And I know a lot of fans disagree because of Josh Myers, maybe John Runyon, I don't know. But I'm telling you, the guy can pass block. And if you just look at it from a pass block, who is our worst pass blocker on this offensive line? I don't know the answer. It might be Zach Tom. Might be maybe Josh Myers. I, I, I genuinely don't know. I don't know. Maybe Runyon, maybe Jenkins. I don't I pff, No idea. Linebackers. I I I like all four of them. Like the first time I've ever liked a linebacker in the last like ten years has been Devondre Campbell. Then we get Quay. I'm pumped about him going into year two. I mean, think about all the years we had terrible corners. Now it's one of the highlights of our team. You know, safety and and kicker make me nervous, but I'm I'm just I'm pumped. And some of it some of it's gonna fall flat. Some of it's not going to be as exciting as as we're hoping, but considering what a low bar I had initially set, because, you know, as everybody said, it's a young group, so you never know. The wide receivers have, have impressed me more than I expected. The front, the, the defensive line with Wooden and Brooks has beyond impressed me, especially when you add in Wyatt. I had almost no expectations of that group. Edge, I thought, was, you know, Preston who's... Okay, Rashawn, I figured, probably wasn't going to play for a while. Lucas, I kind of thought it would take him some time, so he wouldn't do much. I I didn't think we'd get much there. Now, all of a sudden, Rashawn's back. We got Preston. Van Ness looks great. Kingsley looks great. Brenton Cox is trying to kick down the door to get into the 53. It's just, it's right there, man. It's right at the tip of your fingertips. You can just feel it. And then you start thinking into the future. Okay, some of these things maybe aren't going to pan out. Well, we got another draft next year with a likely first round, an additional first round pick again, the Brian Gutekunst special. I mean, if if Jordan Love is the guy, or even if we're not going in that direction, whatever issues we have, we got a lot of opportunities to patch it up. So again, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Things will change rapidly, and and we won't actually get a, a good official glimpse until the season starts, but... Uh, I'm going to leave you guys at that. Have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.